Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much. That was an awesome introduction. Um, I should get that tape so I can kind of like say it in, in more places. So it's, I mean, I don't, I don't usually get that, such a great introduction. So I want you to, to turn to the person next to you and say, just say your name and say, God thinks you're awesome and is going to give you something great today after he gives it to me. All right, so I'm first. Now remember now, I'm God's favorite, right? Yeah, so <laughs> everybody's God's favorite. Praise the Lord for that. So um, there, was this, there was this family, and uh, the mom and the dad loved to have people over after church. So this is kind of help you know what to do and what not to do. So the mom... Uh, said to their six-year-old, so they had guests over there uh, at the, uh, at, on the table, and the uh, mom asked her six-year-old to pray for the dinner. And the boy said he didn't really know what to say. So mom said, just say what mom says. So everybody raised, lowered their head, and, and he said, Jesus, why did I invite all these people over? All right, so there you go. That's what you don't say. Yeah, live with it. Tell the truth, right? So praise God. I'm so glad to be here. So what we're going to do is I'm going to uh, just do some more teaching, uh, give, give a word, and then we're going to do an impartation at the end and uh, just bring Holy Spirit's presence. Holy Spirit's already here. We're just going to bring him more now into where you're at, all right, because that's what we want to do. We'll have people praying over you, so we're going to do that. It's awesome. Let me open in a scripture again. I love the scripture, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Let me just pray this and declare this over us. I declare in the name of Jesus that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance over us and within us, and that the surpassing greatness of his power will be in us and towards us as we believe in Jesus' name. And really, that's a big issue about as we believe. And I want to talk today about believing what God has given you. So, interestingly enough, um, why can we believe that just from a seed, from a, uh, from a seed when, when a, a woman is pregnant, that a woman can, uh, to, to birth a baby, or for nine months and then birth a child. That is a miracle. How, we can believe that, right? How can we believe that all the planets in the vast universe were also made from God? I mean, we believe that it's there. So why can we then read the Bible and just realize that Jesus died for our sins and we can go to heaven just by saying, I forgive, I forgive my sins, Lord, and I want to go to heaven and thank you for saving me in the name of Jesus. It's in I was in John 3.16. But what's interesting is that Jesus then died for more than that, also for our healing. And obviously we know that's Matthew 8.17, for our infirmities and diseases. And we can even go on. So how can we even believe the Bible says that, that um, in Peter 2.24, that because of his stripes we are healed. But then why do we struggle to believe what God has already given us when it comes to actually healing. Because the same faith that saves us and believing that a child can be born is the same faith for us to be healed. But why is that so difficult? It, it really doesn't make sense. I mean, it does, and this is what I'm going to explain. Because if we're not healed, again, we have this spiral downward 
and we have this doubt, and it's and we have this spiritual feeling that there's something either not right or I don't understand why I can't. Everybody else can. So what happens is I need to explain to you, it's not about believing in or to something. It's about believing from something. So what happens is, so this is, I want to uh, shift your thinking and do a little paradigm shift for you. So it's not about what the believing in something or to something. It's about believing from something, from what we have, what we've been given. Now, obviously, we want to believe in God, but then it becomes a given. And then what do we do with that? But for example, think of this. And I don't have to raise your hand, but how many have believed in a person, a job, a position, a church leader, uh, even God? But see, when, when someone gives us a promise and says something they're going to do, then what happens if it goes wrong or if we're not supported or they don't follow through or the promise doesn't happen? Well, guess what? The results are being disappointed, being discouraged, or we're hurt, or we become angry, disillusioned, or even like depressed. See, because we're looking to someone to get something. That's the problem. So, so when we ask for something by praying to get a need met, we're trying to fulfill something. But because that means we're not, we don't have it filled. So you need to think about then when, so when we pray to God to fill something, that means that we're praying out of lack. That means we're asking for something that we don't have. But that's not biblically correct. Now granted, we want to pray so we want to pray asking God to do something, but the point is that why did God die? He died to give us something that we should already have. So let me explain. So the thinking from lack that I need to fill something by asking God for something is out of our sense of lack, needing to receive something and not believing what I already have. This thinking sets us up for disappointment. So we, instead, we need to thank God that he meets the need that we have already have to fill what is already ours. This praying is from abundance, able to receive. So, for example, when I think I mentioned it yesterday. I believe I did. So when you pray, because when we're praying, we're asking to receive something, right? Well, in Greek, the word receive means to take it. So the point is that we should already know that we have something, and when we ask for something that we feel we don't have, then that is meaning we don't believe we have what God's already given us. So we need to realize that which thinking do you have in life when you pray? Is it a matter of abundance or is it a matter of lack? Which do you pray out of? So we must change our thinking to kingdom believing. So as a Christian, when we go to the cross for salvation, Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. This is John 19.30. So he meant his work on earth is done. Meaning, of course, that it's not a matter that I'm finished, that he's dying. That's not what he said. He said that because the work that I have done is, is taken care of. That work is finished. Now that I am that so because of what I'm going to happen, because I'm going to die, he knows he's going to be resurrected. That means that it will all be fulfilled so that when you do accept me, which is what he's been telling his disciples, then you'll have it all. So what happens is he meant that his work on earth is done. The punishment and forgiveness is complete. Christ died for it all on the cross. So when we go to the cross and give our heart to Jesus, again, we know that the old is gone, the new has come. So now you have, as a Christian, we're a new creation. We have uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16. We have John, which is um, the spirit dwells within us. We have John 16, that his, that his fullness. So you've been given everything because of the cross. So when we're praying for anything or dealing with any hardship, it's not about looking to the cross or something. I know this is kind of goes against what, 
what people preach because Jesus is waiting for us to use what he's already given us because of the cross. So Jesus is waiting for us to use what he's given, what he's already given and what he's already died for. So I'll give you an example. So let's just say the cross is over here and I'm going to go to the cross right now in the name of Jesus, I accept you. Uh, forgive me for my sins. I have sinned. I want to accept you into my heart. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. So, so the Lord comes in because I receive it. And I now have 1 Corinthians 3.16. The Spirit now dwells within me. So now that I received it, the cross is in front of me. What's happened is now that I've gotten it, now I can turn around and I can go from the cross. And now I can use what I've been given and go forward to then to use that and to do what God's given me to do, right? So, so the issue is, why is it hard then to believe in Matthew twenty one twenty two? Let's say when you pray, receiving you will receive when you pray. Okay, because when you receive, you'll receive what you pray for. So, let me just go to uh, a couple of things on here. So we talked about. Um, John 16, uh, for, uh, John 3.16, we talked about, uh, about why Jesus died for two reasons, John 3.16 and Matthew 8.17 in generalities. We also know that when you become a Christian, it's not about what you believe in or believe to, it's what you believe in from. So next what I want to talk about is, do you have enough belief to have enough faith for the impossible to become possible? Okay, so let me give you some definition. Belief is the understanding or confidence in something. Faith is the action you take because of your belief. You exercise faith when you believe in yourself through what I think, feel, and do. So my level of belief determines my measurement of faith. All right, so, so when I believe... When I believe that I have enough, I can exercise my faith. So when I go to the cross and I receive it, and I believe what I receive, I can take that and it creates my measurement of faith to go out and do the, what it says in Matthew about going out and making disciples. So you need to realize that how can you believe in power of Jesus if you do not believe in yourself to use the power you are get already given. Right? So how can you believe in the power of Jesus if you do not believe in yourself to use what you've already been given? The answer comes like this. I cannot believe in something or myself unless someone of greater authority believes in me first. And I talked about this yesterday. Uh, which is based on Proverbs 22.6. Chain up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. Because my first God is my earthly father. I don't know who God is when I'm born. I've got Our parents basically create that belief out of what they give us. And then what I receive takes that knowledge. And again, childhood is so important because the external world determines my internal belief of reality. So if somebody believes in me first, that means I can believe because I believe I have something because somebody gave me something to believe in. Don't ask me to repeat that, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> All right, so God already created you worthy, deserving, and he signed you through the first God, the authority figure, say your parent, right? Uh, this is what I brought up last time. So the amount and type of love you receive determines your measurement of worth and value. So the amount, and so that talks about when, when you receive, the earlier you receive it, the stronger it is because you don't understand it. So you have to receive from an authority figure. So when I receive from an authority figure early in my life, I'm good enough, boy, good job, I love you, hugs and kisses, which means I'm valued, when I receive that value, and then when I go to the next authority figure, such as God, and then God gives me a, a sense of, of that, that, that he wants to give me something that he has, I can then believe that I can receive it and use it because I already received it first from somebody else that determined to tell me 
what to believe in, but I can believe in myself because I already first received it. You get that? The reason why we have a hard time believing in a father we don't see is because we didn't have a father that we did see know how to give us that love. This is a generational issue. So once we then, the amount of love we receive determines our measurement of worth and value, then our amount of worth and value determines our trust and belief in ourself and God. So then our amount of trust and belief determines our measurement of faith. Right? And so the, then our amount of faith and then belief determines our belief in healing ourselves and really our ability to have authority to, to heal somebody else. So it's really amazing that what we experience early in life creates how we use what God has given us. Healing and authority from the cross is about believing from something that I've already been given. So if, if the, my first authority figure already gave me a sense of belief because they believed in me, then I'm going to believe all the other authority figures, but I'm going to have enough confidence to know what's right and wrong. So if my authority figure, my boss, treated me wrongly, if I already have enough of belief in myself, I'll know whether that's right or wrong. Same thing with friends, clergy, spouses, whatever it is. I have to believe in myself. I can't believe in myself unless someone of greater authority believed in me first. I can't even love myself or somebody else unless someone of greater authority loved me first. I don't know what I have. I have to be told and I have to, um, I'm really a member, I told you yesterday that uh, we're born with temperament, and uh, with temperament, which is strong-willed and compliant. I don't really know what I have yet. Someone has to help me create that. And so what happens is we, when we don't know what we have, whatever we receive early in life, if our, our authority figures are positive, then with love and at attention, and we believe then out of that there's something worthy about me because they're giving that to me. If it's negative, then of course, then, uh, then there's, um, they're not investing in you and there's a lot of negativity, then there's something wrong with me why they treat me that way, especially early on because I don't know the difference. After puberty, when my brain starts developing more, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, then I started getting a mouth and I started using it and that's when we have problems in the home because I rebel out of what happened that I didn't get early on because I don't like it anymore. And then the parents don't know what to do with that and then there's a problem. And parents, I get a lot of people in my office, a lot of teenagers come to my office or early teens because they have an attitude. That's what my parents tell me that. Well, then what I do is I listen to what they're saying. Look, could be a kid that's, t you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, but mostly from about 12 on because our brain starts developing, and I, st I don't know where I'm going with this except to just to let you know. It's because I get this. It's so common that I get people 12 on up, even to 17, 18, uh, when they're still in the home, and they got this attitude, and they bring them in to have an attitude. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, let me get this straight. So you're born with temperament, strangled and compliant. You're, you're raised in a home, and your personality is created out of the environment that you live in. Who creates the environment? The parents, okay, so, or whoever the caregiver is at the time. And so what happens is whatever the environment tolerates or allows or gives you, I'm going to react out of that. So my child or a child comes to me, and they have an attitude, and I'm thinking that, and they're told to go to the room to get their head straight or to stop their attitude, and I'm thinking, why do they have an attitude? It's because they live in an environment that creates an attitude because they have an attitude because of the attitude in the environment. The kid is not the problem. It's the environment. Who makes up the environment? It's the caregivers. So you know what I do is? I'll see the kid maybe once or twice, then I'll haul the parents in and say, let's deal with this. You're the problem. Now, I don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't typically come back if I talk like that. <laughs> but in essence, in my kind 
as Stephanie said, in my kind, gentle way. <laughs> uh, but it's true. Well, that's what's going through my mind. I'm going like, I get kind of like, I get a little upset over this because I'm seeing these kids that have attitudes and the parents, the way they're talking and the way they are, this kid's got a problem. And I'm thinking like, I'm sorry, this kid's 12. He's a boy. He's, he's a child. Where do you think he gets this from? Anyway, I'm getting, I need counseling. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so anyway, this is a major, let me, let me like, you know, Randy Clark would say, I'm going to shoot that rabbit. Okay, I'm going to move on. Okay, so, so, so the major reason for this not believing is because our thinking is coming from something that created that. Or the reason why we do believe is because my thinking comes from when we're allowed to believe. You understand? The attitude is coming from somewhere we are, or our compliant and lovingness come from something from where we are. We've got to get it from someplace. Illness, we've got to get it from someplace. Attitudes, emotions, we've got to get it from someplace. So that's what we wanted to get to. Okay, so let's, you can't believe in something again unless you can, unless you have s somebody needs to give that to you. So let's do some scripture. Since it's Sunday, let's, you know, do, do the church thing. And uh, <laughs> let's go to Matthew 17, all right, uh, 14 and uh, to 21, all right. Oh, I'm sorry. Are oh, you put it on there already? That is so awesome. All right. It's half and half? Okay, yeah, it's like cream, right? Okay, so let's pray. This is uh, uh, the NASB version. So, Lord, we just thank you for the, for, for the word. We thank you for what your word represents. And, and Holy Spirit, reveal what you want us to learn from your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, uh, Matthew 17, 14. So, when they came to the crowd, uh, this, is, this is Jesus walking with his disciples through a crowd, all right? A man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Uh, 17. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Oh, yes, bring him to me. Okay, 18. Is that right? Yeah. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, you know that the, the, um, there was metaphors used, by the way, during Jesus' time, um, moving of the mountain was a very common metaphor of ch uh, changing something big in their life. It was a common metaphor. So it was a metaphor, it was, wasn't literal. But we gotta realize that it's like something big being able to do something that we could be impossible to do. So let's look at this. So if, if as it, so this was, Jesus was saying as if a curing of the boy was not on me to act, but, on, but for you to believe that it needed to happen. So it's not, so this issue of the boy being healed it was a matter about the father believing, okay, what needed to happen and what we needed to do to make it happen. So this is not really a theological issue. This is a universal truth about how we approach it. So if you approach anything in the spirit of hopelessness, it makes it hopeless. It keeps you a sinner. So, so for example, and one thing that I love... Um, I love my father. By the way, was a pastor. I mean, you'd never know that, but so um, so anyway. So he loved the. Um, he was a very traditional uh, in pastor. So he uh, loved the hymns, the old hymns, and I like some of the old hymns. I don't like a lot of the lyrics because I'm not a sinner like me, 
I'm not a worm, and I'm not a wretch. Okay? So if you, so I don't want to call something out that I am when I'm not that. Because I'm not a sinner. I am, I am a saint. Do I sometimes sin? Yes, but I'm not a sinner. So we realize that if we doubt and we question ourselves, it creates doubt. If we approach anything, though, in faith, it makes it a possibility because it is. And that's what God wants us to know. He wants us to realize that we can believe more. I'll give you an example. Okay, so um, there's a 25, for 25 years, it was kind of this, this person that I prayed for had constant migraines uh, from 0 to 10, about a 3 or a 4 and up. And uh, about a number eight or nine, three, uh, zero to ten, with, with stress, dizziness, imbalance of walking, 40 years of, so of, that was for 25 years, and then 40 years of shoulder and neck pain, uh, limited movement, constant tension, stiffness, the stiffness was about uh, eight or nine, pain was about three, or three to six all the time. As a result, this, this person, by the way, this was a medical physician that I worked with, this person, because of all this pain, had to step down as a physician. And, and this is, for eight years, this person was but on disability because of this issue. And so uh, this person became very discouraged, uh, very um, obviously discouraged and very disappointed in herself because she couldn't, she was a physician and couldn't get rid of it herself. And so I asked her about her disappointment. And what I do is, we want to ask them where they are now, and she didn't know why she had it. Again, this is the unknown we talked about last yesterday. This is an unknown. I don't know why I have this. It's just been so overwhelming, and I have all this stress. And so the, the feelings were disappointment, discouragement, and helplessness regarding the issue. So I said, Holy Spirit, take her back when she first felt that feeling. She went back to three years old, three years old. She had a good memory. She was filled of fear at that time, which she still had, disappointment, sadness for her family, because I said, just see yourself like you're watching a movie of you in your home. She saw a family of chaos, a lot of trauma, but took on, she took on a lot of responsibility. Remember, women, especially girls, will take on the responsibility because they're born nurturers. They will take on the responsibility of helping when the parents can't, or they see when things are unfair or people are sad, Mostly women, will, girls, will take on the responsibility of making everybody happy. And they'll do it through cleaning the, the, whatever they can do at that age, cleaning things and making things right and making things happy and to her little brother and so on to make it better. So she takes on this responsibility. What happens is that becomes your lot in life. That's what you know when there's stuff going on around you. So she developed it over the time she developed this this overly sense of responsibility. And what we did is uh, we, that became, and that's where a lot of a sense of uh, responsibility, she had shoulder pain. She had a lot of shoulder pain. So we brought Jesus in between her and her parents and the chaos going on around her. So when, we, when Jesus was there and we released her because she felt safer, we released that feeling of discomfort. At that moment, the stiffness and the pain that she had that it was, uh, the stiffness was an eight or a nine. The pain was about a six. The stiffness uh, totally went away, and the pain went down to two, like automatically. When we were, we go, I didn't even pray for her shoulders, by the way. It just goes down. We went to another God, then went to four years old when she felt abandoned and afraid and became unsafe uh, during the time because somebody had left, uh, uh, one of the parents had left, more and more fear. We released that fear with Jesus in the middle to make her safe, the little girl safe. Again, uh, more stiffness and around her body went down. The pain went down more to one. And her migraines, she, uh, she did say she had migraines from before, and that was way up there. That went down to number two. So anyway, she went to another issue of seeing another trauma. So this is called layered trauma, all right? It's not just one thing. It's many things. And that's why we can't find it, because it was so prevalent and it was so common. Typically, when we pray to God, take us back, if we can't find an incident, that means it was a way of life. That means it was there all the time. So just think of them like being in that world, being in that home, which we did. And she kept on coming up with these instances. Uh, there was a lot of anxiety. 
And then we went to the anxiety regarding the fact that people, uh, more of the just people were o overwhelming and yelling all the time. And we got rid of that fear, seeing Jesus there. Everything totally went down to zero. All her pain, all her stiffness, all her migraine pain, everything went to zero. And she was totally functional and was totally changed it by going to the sweet things. And I never prayed for anything. I just got rid of the emotion. And she was disabled for, for eight years. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's a God thing. But the point is that she held all this stuff in, and she never let it go. And God just wants you to do that. So if you believe, what you believe establishes, again, how you think. So that's also Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so he is. So let's go back to our scripture. So in verse 18, the man said, I told your disciples to cast out, and they could not do it. And he, he answered uh, to them and said, oh, unbelieving Jesus did. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall it be with you? How long shall I put up with you? So the father was disappointed uh, uh, within the disciples for not healing the father, not healing. And the father's faith was shaken when he said, help me if you can. Now, again, that was a prayer literally uh, of unbelief, if you can. So he didn't have the belief in Jesus at that time, knowing of what he had, even knowing that this man was very, this, this rabbi was very, very powerful. So think about this. If something, if you get less than you hope for in a church, in a family, a friend, a pastor, a job, a child, you become disappointed discouraged in what happened and you get discouraged then in them you discouraged in their and you lose your faith and first of all we lose our trust in that we become discouraged and over time we lose our faith in it happening we lose our hope and then oftentimes when we get discouraged our destiny gets stolen it's because we're believing in something rather than believing in ourselves of what we already have. So when you pray and God doesn't answer you or you don't get what you want, that means that you're not believing in what you have because God's saying he want, you need to thank God for what you're telling and commanding the weather to do or committing the atmosphere to take care of or committing something to leave in the name of Jesus. If it doesn't happen, who gets discouraged? If you get discouraged, that means that you're believing that I'm the one that made that not happen. That's not on you. You're only the vessel to pray. So if it doesn't get healed, it's something else other than yourself. You understand that? So when you're praying, so when you pray for something, you need to believe that you have asked for it, and your prayers do not go void. Okay, so there was a woman that I was, uh, I was in uh, Utah doing a conference, and uh, during one of the breaks, uh, we went out, we were in the foyer, and uh, a woman came up, well, actually, I saw a woman, she had a leg brace on over her knee. And it was uh, uh, just uh, like a brace. And she was supposed to, this was on a Friday. She was staying there with another woman, happened to be her pastor's wife. And she, um, I said, I, I see your brace. So anyway, the, the coolest thing, the, the best thing to do is just to pray for someone when you see a problem. And when you see a cast or you see crutches or you see a brace. Why? Because everybody loves to talk about themselves. So just ask him about that, all right? That's the easiest thing. You don't even have to be prophetic about it. Just ask him about their brace, okay? And they'll just start telling you about it. So I just asked her about it, what was going on. She said, well, I tore my ACL, and uh, I'm supposed to have surgery on Monday. So, okay, so I said, well, let me pray for you. So I prayed for her five times, five different ways. Nothing moved. And this is many years ago, too, kind of before I know what I know now. But the cool thing is, I still prayed over it, expecting something to happen, but it didn't. So what I did is, and what I typically do, what I'm telling you to do is, don't take that on. So instead, what you need to do is believe in what you're doing, and just, and I, this is what I told the woman, I said, listen, we asked the Lord for something, and he's a gentleman, and he wants you to be healed, because that's what he does. And we're asking for it, so stand in it for what we ask, and remember, so about when we pray for something, wanting something to receive it, just take it because it's yours to receive. 
and, and I was very positive about it, and I was very emphatic about it. So then I went, and she hobbled back to her seat. I went up and just continued the seminar. Well, about three weeks later, I get this email from her. She said, oh, I forgot to email you to let you know that uh, I, I couldn't tell what happened, but when I went back to the doctor to start the surgery, they took another x-ray. They couldn't find anything wrong, and they canceled the surgery. Praise God, right? So you just got to believe in what's going on, and I have to believe in what I'm doing in the name of Jesus because it's, it's not me doing it. I'm just the vessel. But if I don't even believe in myself, how's God going to use me? And how are they going to believe me if, if I want to help them believe? So it's got to come back where I, where I see. But it does go back to, again, uh, what do I have? And so I've got to understand that. It's really very important. It's common for us, it's for our thoughts of disappointment and discouragement. It's common to have discouragement for things, but it should not be normal. That's not what we're supposed to have. Everyone has issues. Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you've got issues. <laughs> Who said it first, right? Now, now, now that I don't think anybody has a mask on. Now, if the, usually when the when I do a large seminar, and I've got a lot of a lot of couples there, I'll say, "Now, men, look at your wife's face, because she's been trying to tell you that for years." <laughs> and usually, usually the other way I say it is, uh, usually I'll do when I do I say, "I've got issues." Boy, the women love that to their wives because. Now, men, your wife's been trying to m make you to believe that for years. <laughs> All right, anyway, so if, if you hear yourself or others say words such as a doubt, can't, let's see where we are now. Oh, wrong one. Okay, so if, if you hear yourself or others use the words doubt, can't, unfair, afraid, hopeless, helpless, stuck, not good enough, I'm bad, I'm wanted, Nobody loves me, limited, restricted. You need to realize that these are, are adult words with childhood content. These are, these are victim words, and this is a victim mentality. It's got to come from someplace. So you can believe, uh, you can't, again, believe in the impossible if you can't believe in yourself. You can't believe in making the impossible possible unless you believe in yourself to make the difference, all right? Give me, well, let me give you, this is going to emphasize the point. Uh, there was a pastor or a missionary named, this is a true story. This is a missionary named Bruce Allen. He was on um, uh, It's Supernatural, Sid Roth, all right? He talked about a man that he known, a man named Richard, who sold out for God, just loved Jesus, and he did everything. He sold a lot of things for Jesus, and uh, so Jesus was telling him one day, he said, I want you to go to another country. This is to Richard. And, now, and Richard's lived, by the way, in South Africa, right? And so he said, I want you to go to another country. But Richard said, but I, I have, because he said, I have something for you to do there in another country. Pack your suitcase, and I want you to go to your airport. He said, Lord, I don't have any money and I don't have a passport. He said, I want you to go to pack your bags and go to the airport. So he said, so he did. He went to the airport. He got to the airport somehow. He, he got a suitcase. He put the suitcase down in the terminal, you know, and all the, the, the gates there, and said, Lord, I still don't have a passport. I have no money, and I can't get a ticket. So he, he just looked around. He just prayed silently, and he said, the Lord said, go to the men's room, and go to the third stall on the left. True story. So he said, so he did. He went to the men's room, third stall on the, on the left. He went in there, locked the door, and he said, now what, Lord? So he said, I want you to pray. Lift your hands to heaven and worship me. So he did that. Praise the Lord Jesus, and he just spoke in tongues. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord Jesus. After several minutes, he said, okay, now pick up your suitcase and go. 
when he walked out of the men's room, he walked into the Paris airport, Paris, France. True story. All right, true, true story, true story. All right, doesn't that give you chills? He went from South Africa, men's room, airport, to, to Paris, France, airport, men's room. Now watch it now, when you pray for it in your stall. I'm just saying, just saying. All right, that's awesome. Awesome. I'm from New York. Actually, I'm from New York. All right. Thank you, Jesus, what you're doing. <laughs> now, this is all a soul issue, a spiritual issue and soul issues that we must address that our earthly experiences can determine eternal perspective. So our earthly experiences, our beliefs, will determine our eternal perspective. So how does this relate to healing? So let me land this plane. Okay, so unhealthy hurts held inside will discount you and disconnect you from your spirit. Like the soul issues blocks healing prayer. It, it interrupts the ability to hear and feel and sense God. It blocks the believing of self and authority to heal. And you feel and you believe ineffective for healing. So let me explain this. Okay, so, so see this bullseye where your spirit, soul, and body circle. In the middle, when you accept Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you accept him in your core, and he becomes then the life of you, all right? It's, it's like, um, again, it's 1 Corinthians 3.16. So he's dwelling in your spirit. The soul is the next in the, like a bullseye, the next, the next uh, circle after the spirit. So it's the mind, will, and emotions. So the negative emotions of thoughts and acts and beliefs, I talked about this in, in detail yesterday. What that does is that gets in the way. And when you, sp when you pray from your spirit, you're praying through the soul to get to the body. But if, if, you're, if you have a lot of soulish issues and a negative issues, it will not get through. And so the body then will, be, will remain sick. And basically, on one level, on a, most of us on a natural level, we'll look at sickness by what we see and what we feel. Because that's what we do. We, we will see in the natural realm. But God wants us to see by our by faith, not by sight. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 7. He wants us to see through what we believe. Again, it goes back to if I wasn't believed in and I don't have enough belief of what I have, I'm not going to believe again later on what I have. Right? So we need to get out of that. And that's what I want to do here. I want to help us get out of how we live and how we are living. God created our, our mind, will, and emotions. And we're free to choose whether we hold on to emotions or not. God will not take away what you choose to hold on to. The more negative soul issues you hold on to, it will increase uh, that link, that emotional link to physical conditions. We talked about that yesterday. And because it astounds me that basically 90% of doctor's visits are stress-related. And so it also astounds me the fact that if, if we don't get rid of the as CDC says, and I think it's 95%, that you know, 95% of physical ailments have a psychological root. If we don't get rid of that, it turns into things like, like the physical issues. And when we have all these physical internal issues, it starts from the inside out. It's an inside job. Fibromyalgia and Crohn's disease and, and uh, immune deficiency, and it just goes on and on, and IBS and autoimmune and adrenal exhaustion, anxiety, ADD, OCD. It just goes on and on. And so that's all internal stuff. Uh, um, whether it's uh, in, on anything that's really internal, especially with neurology, uh, nervous system, uh, when we have um, neuropathy of some sort, or we have MS, those are all internal, especially uh, 
Lou Gehrig's disease, all right, and all those which I've, I've seen people with this, and those people that I just mentioned, they don't express feelings well. They're just not expressors. So the emotion, what happens, it's an energy. The energy goes in, and the energy then destroys from the inside out. And so what we need, we need to start from the inside. But it starts, has to start in terms of how I believe and what I have. So what happens is if I don't believe I have anything different than this, when another authority figure comes in your life and they say, you have this, and then I believe it, and then it's over. So you have to, so, so if you have an encouraging uh, and a strong belief system from somebody that was stronger than yourself, then you will believe what, um, you'll believe more in yourself. But if the person was not strong or was discouraging, right, then it's hard to believe in yourself. Let me share a little bit about, um, well, let me just go over this. I want to say this one more time for those that weren't here yesterday, but those that are, because it's very, very important that we recognize that how our body relates to the emotion has a huge impact in terms of how our body then um, succumbs to illness. So when there is definitely, when you have an accident somewhere, when you have an accident that happens and you injure yourself, we have to understand that God created our bodies to, to heal itself. Do you know that? Our bodies have an incredible ability to heal itself. That's what it was made to do. So if your body is already sick and then you hold in the emotion, the emotion, the again, I showed you before with the, the mind, will, and emotions, what's in your soul will block the physical from actually healing. If you're not sick and you hold in a lot of emotion, what happens is the, the, the energy, the negative energy from the held in emotion will make you sick. Either way, it's something you've got to get rid of. And something's got to block you from not, getting, fr from not getting healed. Wow, was that a double negative? One of these days, I'm going to do a triple negative. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> You know what I mean. So awesome. Um, so you need to recognize that. Okay, so let me give you an example. Um, I'll give you healing. A, a, um. Okay, so a woman had. Uh, okay, so this woman, 50 years ago, this person had this problem 50 years ago, a uh, back injury. The MRI showed a bulging disc. Uh, spinal stenosis, arthritis in the lower back and, and a right in right knee. Pain on and off for years, for 50 years. Could not straighten up, uh, uh, had inflamed and sciatic nerve pain. When we prayed over her back and her knee, it reduced it to 50%. Just praying over it in the name of Jesus, which we should do. Pray over it in the name of Jesus to go in Jesus' name. So what I teach is what happens if it doesn't get healed, and that's what the book we talked about, uh, Breaking Emotional Barriers to Healing, which is all about that. <laughs> yes, that one. So when I asked if, uh, what it felt like when she had the pain, she felt stuck, helpless, and really stiff and really restricted. So I went with those emotions, and I, what I did is I asked her to, Holy Spirit, will you take her back in her past when she first felt that way. She went back 50 years ago to the accident that she, when she felt the same way that she never dealt with the feeling. Now, so when she fell, fell um, it, it totally, it, I think people were laughing over her and uh, laughing about it, and she was in a lot of pain. She didn't get a lot of support. Her parents were not very supportive to her uh, because the, uh, back issues, whether well, they're not healed from back issues, because the back is the strongest, is the major support structure of your body. If your back doesn't get healed, it's because of a lack of emotional support in your life. Always. I've never seen it other than that. All right? Backs are one of the easiest things to get healed. Actually, shoulders are. Oh, wait a minute. Necks are. Actually, the body is. <laughs> Everything is. <laughs> Really, it is. Oh, you know what? I said yesterday I teach you how to st how to lengthen legs, right? Oh, we can do that afterwards. I'll show you that. 
Okay, so um, so God took her back 50 years ago, and when she released the feeling of the hurt, the original hurt, uh, when she saw it and felt it, because a lot of times when we pray for somebody, we pray over, over the issue, but we don't pray over the emotion from the issue. So we did that, and the people that laughed, the lack of support, not being there for their, and the pain just totally disappeared. And so, um, so, and by the way, this was all done over the phone somewhere in the country or world. I don't know where it was. But anyway, so God just takes care of it. Isn't it amazing? So we just thank the Lord for that. So uh, again, um, we need to recognize that uh, the heart is an issue. Um, so with the heart, I, uh, one thing is it's hard to find joy. People that have lost joy, they have a very deeper hurt. And uh, usually that's also secondary because of how much it hurt them out of a disappointment, which is a big issue that we also need to deal with. So I want to do one more thing, and I want to talk about anxiety uh, because there's a lot of it. And there's a, this, is a, this, this, well, this situation this year has really brought a lot of anxiety. I want to help with that. Uh, there's some signs of anxiety in general or the general anxiety of feeling anxious or Turning in the gut, restlessness, on edge, irritability, racing mind, a worry. So it's turning in the gut, restlessness, worry, racing mind, sleeping problems, fears that something's going to happen. There's two basic types of anxiety. First is healthy anxiety. So, for example, exciting new events like speaking or tests, taking a test or a new task. And the second one is unhealthy things that will happen, um, traumatic events that are happening that were threatened or something that bad is going to happen or did happen in long ago that I'm, that I'm feeling anxiety now. So what I need to help you understand is healthy anxiety is that when I have something that I'm doing like an event, that anxiety should be over when the event's over. All right? The unhealthy, is an, uh, unhealthy anxiety is when the anxiety continues even after the event's over. Because I'm still afraid, that, or I'm still worried that something's going to happen. It's about the future. It's about what am I going to do. And typically what happens is something happened earlier in my life because you're smart people, right? Are you smart people? Yes, okay. Because you're smart and because you're born again, that means... Whatever, you, who you are, that shouldn't be who you have. So if, if you're born again and you're, um, you're a new creation and you're a smart person, why should you have something that's not of God, right? So if it's not of God, that means, that means it doesn't have to be part of me. It was given to me. That means we need to give it back away. So, so it was given to you sometime, and now the earlier it was given to me, the more it becomes something normal in my life, I think, and then I adapt it to my life, and then it becomes normal, and then I adapt my life and way of thinking and, and doing to adapt to that what's happening. So I live with it, especially if I have nobody in my life that helps me get rid of it, like anxiety. If you, live in, if you grow up in a home that's anxious, and then you marry somebody who's anxious, or a boss, or something, then it's kind of normal for me to be that way, I think. And all that does is it creates kind of a hypervigilance about things all the time. I can never settle. That's where type A personalities, ADD, all that happens. And so, we, so what, what you need to do is you need to recognize, number one, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. You need to go back to where it first started to find that, bring Jesus, to bring Jesus in front. We're going to do that, by the way, in just a moment. And then we need to then release it to, to, to somebody safe, all right? So that shouldn't be part of you anymore. So what about you? Maybe you're struggling for a long time wondering if healing was for you or you never stopped believing or you're standing on what God says on one hand but then you have trouble believing on the other hand. Faith is believing what you cannot do on your own. And are you able to do that? Are you able to pray, or if somebody prayed for you and nothing's happened, or you've lost it? Again, it's not about what God is supposed to give now that you're a Christian. It's what you already have that you need to take and do with. All right? So what I want to do is just real quick, 
So what to do when healing doesn't happen? After initial prayers of forgiving others, forgiving yourself and your sins and releasing sins, I have this little um, thing that I created, releasing soul issues that block healing. Now this is a small version of what's in my the book, Breaking Emotional Barriers to Healing. So first of all, what you want to release is the emotion. It's emote, E-M-O-T. So you want to, what do you feel with the condition? And then the memory, which is M, finding early memory with the same emotion. So if this emotion is unhealthy and it shouldn't be there because it's not of God, we need to figure out that it is, number one. And number two, where is it coming from? And then O, observe. Picture somebody safe protecting you, like a family member or Jesus, standing between you and that memory of hurt. And then T, which is thank God for you to, as you release the emotion. All right? So, so how many want to be released right now of something? All right? I tell you what. I want everybody to raise their hand. How many here want to be released of something? Okay? If not, we need to release you of lying. Okay? <laughs> like everybody. Look, I, wait a minute. I just thought you just said, didn't you just say a little while ago that I've got issues? All right, so everybody's got issues. The ones that really have the most issues is the ones that don't admit they have issues. <laughs> right? I mean, like, why wouldn't it, why, we're supposed to, I mean, okay, the only one that didn't, well, the, Jesus had issues too. It's called disciples, okay? <laughs> he said that. You're perverse, right, generation, right? <laughs> All right. All right, so let's do this. So, yeah. So um, I want you to leak, uh, have your lap open uh, or, or put something down. And I want you to do, we're going to do an activation now. Um, Matt, would you put a little bit of music on, a little soft music, um, uh, something that's um, um, instrumental, it's really nice and soft. And then we're going to do something. I'm going to, um, I want to bring to you uh, a position, to position you a little bit of a uh, impartation. We're going to position you, and then we're going to um, give have Jesus bring to you, because he's already here, Holy Spirit's already here, what he wants you to have. And then I'm going to have you picture yourself with Jesus or with a comfortable person. I'm going to explain, I'm going to do a, what I typically do in my office, I'm going to do it as a group, all right? It'll be free, you don't have to pay me. <laughs> well, if you want to pay me, if you, if you want to give an offering, that's <laughs> somebody said, well, what, do you, what does it cost to do a, to a session with you? So, Okay, so what I want to do is, um, and then we're going to have actually some team members come around and pray with you where you are. We're going we're gonna to part on you. We're going to speak over you where you are to bring more to you, all right? So, so first of all, just put your hands out to receive. I want to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you have for this amazing group. And even those that are listening right now, that put your hands out and just expect. We want right now not only to receive, Lord, what you have for us, but we want to take it because you've already given it to us. We want to take advantage of what you've given us, not in terms of in a bad way, but also we want to have, we want to uh, know and believe everything that you've already given us. And right now, I am part, and everybody that's not only here, but everybody that's listening on this podcast, that you will be able to receive what God has. Open our hearts and minds right now in Jesus' name. Anything that's not of God that's getting in the way, we just release that. Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring to each one person here and those that are listening something that has been bothering them. And God's put on my heart some, some here that have some anxiety about the future and anxiety about what's going to happen. I have some here that have some doubt. Somebody here has some doubt, and a major issue is about disappointment. There's a lot of disappointment in this room and those that are listening. 
There's some disappointments because of relationships that disappointed you. And there's several of you who have disappointment because of lack of love. You just realize that, but you can't do anything about it because you feel like you're helpless to do anything about it. There's some that you're feeling like you just can't move on in life or you don't know what to do in life. You feel stuck. That's a major issue. Some of you feel, don't know, don't feel good about yourself. And you don't feel like you are deserving of good things. And some of them, so there's some here that have had some physical issues that have been going on. You just can't seem to get rid of it. And you've taken it on as if it's normal. And God wants you to know that it's not normal. That's not what he wants you to have. He wants you to release that. And, and there's some others that have had some trauma in their life, and they are overwhelmed easily. They feel hurt inside. They feel like somebody that, that people don't understand. And I can't seem to do anything with it, but God wants to change that. Whatever you're feeling right now, I want you to go to that feeling. And I want you to find somebody in your life that back as a child or as a teenager or a young adult or now, somebody in your life who comforted you. Who comforted you? I'd rather have somebody like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a best friend or Jesus if you felt comforted by him. And that I want you to put that person with you. And if you don't have anybody, put yourself like in this bubble with Jesus. And if you do have somebody, put Jesus with you and that person. I want you to do something. I want you to see, put your hands across your chest with your hands on your, lung, on your arms like you're hugging yourself. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing to each one of them even if it's a pet, somebody that you felt loved by, just bring someone, whether it's Jesus or a, a family member of some sort or a friend or a pet, that has made them feel loved. Right now, I declare love over each one of them. They're getting a hug. It's called a love hug. And this is in my book to help you learn more about it in Breaking Emotional Barriers to Healing. And Lord, just give them that hug. In the name of Jesus, I declare over each one the love that you have for them. Lord, would you take each one with their, with their safe person or even in their bubble with Jesus, go where that hurt started. Go where that hurt started. Take them back to that place. And what I want you, Lord, is to now have that person or Jesus give them a hug and give them a love hug and a little love pat by pat back and forth using both hands, right and left, right and left, nice and easy, just like you would when you hug a child. In Matthew 19, 13, Jesus says, bring the little children to me. And he prayed over them. He laid his hands on them and prayed over them. And the reason why he wants us to know that as our example is because he wants us to be like Jesus. He wants us, to, I'm sorry, to be like children, to go to Jesus and to bring healing to him, and he will bring the healing. He wants us to be like children, to be loved like children. But many of you were not loved as children. Many of you did not receive that hurt, to get rid of that hurt. I want you to go back to when that hurt happened. It could be a relationship, even an adult relationship, but even further back where somebody hurt you, somebody betrayed you, or you were even hurt physically. And re in the name of Jesus, release that now in Jesus' name. Release it now in Jesus' name. I would like the team members to go around and pray for people. Just pray for people. Just pray over them. Just pray over somebody. Just highlight them. Everybody's going to get prayed for. Everybody's going to be touched. Thank you, Jesus. Bring them more. Bring them more in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Jesus. Just give them more in Jesus' name. Yeah, just whatever you have, whatever word for you have, give it to them privately, privately. And keep, keep loving on you. Lord, give, continue to give to each person your love and releasing, releasing what is not theirs. It was given to you, and it's not yours to keep anymore. Just let go. Let go in the name of Jesus. Yeah, let go of that hurt that you have been restoring and been holding on to. It doesn't belong to you anymore in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.